Welcome to Managed Carecast, a podcast from the American Journal of Managed Care. My name is Christina Matina, editor of the American Journal of Managed Care. On this episode of Managed Carecast, we're talking with an author of an original research article from our July issue. The article, Economic Outcomes of Insurer-Led Care Management for High-Cost Medicaid Patients, describes a study of the Community-Based Care Management Program, which used teams of community healthcare workers and nurses to coordinate care for high-cost, high-need patients. Dr. Krista Jayashadi is an assistant professor of medicine at the University of Pennsylvania Paramount School of Medicine and a clinical innovation manager at Penn Medicine Center for Healthcare Innovation. Welcome, Dr. Shayashadi. Can you tell us about the objective of the current study and why you decided to investigate this topic? Yeah, you know, maybe I'll actually talk about the motivation first. You know, so there's been a lot of movement within healthcare uh, to really improve care coordination, and it's uh, it's a twofold reason. One is just that uh, you know patients oftentimes uh, feel like their care or getting receiving care in the U.S. healthcare system can feel disjointed or disconnected, and so. Uh, improving that patient experience has been a, a really key movement. Uh, the other th- uh, aspect to it also is that in improving care coordination, uh, we've also observed uh, certain programs have really stood out in really controlling costs and improving quality of care for those patients. Uh, I'd say one other layer to this uh, that really motivated us was uh, really thinking about the role of community healthcare workers. And so trusted individuals who come from within the communities of uh, the patients they serve, and they really do provide a range of services from advocacy, social support, navigation, health coaching. And so uh, that really fast forwarded to uh, the objectives of this current study. And so uh, we were asked to uh, help in assisting to evaluate an insurer-led care management plus community health worker program in Philadelphia amongst a Medicaid uh, insured population and to really look at these really hard outcomes of total cost of care, utilization, and really to, to observe how that would impact uh, those downstream outcomes. And what were your main findings? Were there any that surprised you? Honestly, we had seen so much in the literature that showed just the uh, incredible positive impact that care coordination and community health workers have had on uh, the impacts of total cost and also utilization. Uh, And to be honest, we were actually incredibly surprised that uh, it didn't show any findings. When we looked at this data across the board, uh, when we compared those who were in the program and we matched them to those in the same insurance pool who didn't get enrolled into the program, uh, we saw that there was no difference in total costs, no difference in visit frequency uh, to any care setting, whether the primary care or emergency departments. And uh, as a result, uh, there was no, no change in kind of like how much they were spending at each of these different sites of care when it came down to it. Why do you think the study didn't find an effect of care management on cost or utilization? I think this really ties into some of the complexities here. And uh, I think where this really boils down to is what I call the kind of like the, the soft, hard science. And so what do I mean by that? So it's the soft science of like how our programs are being rolled out, how they're being implemented. Um, and it can feel kind of squishy because there's like so many different factors to it. It involves, you know, the stickiness of people and politics, uh, but then also managerial uh, processes of oversight and uh, how do you implement protocols and how well do you implement those protocols? And those are, those feel kind of like soft because we're not, it's not used to like, you're going to get the intervention or not. It's like, well, actually you're going to get variations of the intervention based on which site you go to. And uh, that actually makes it really hard to study. You know, oftentimes we want to boil down in research to say like, 
care coordination works, community health worker works, or it doesn't work. Uh, whereas it actually, it's like, they're kind of different experiences. And so you have to really kind of, kind of think about it uh, from that perspective. And so, you know, I think that's probably when, a, when I think about it that way, and we thought about this going into it, when we thought about it, that, you know, this could actually be one thing that clouds it. You know, if we looked at basically uh, different sites that actually were implementing it, whether we could uh, see an impact or not. And, you know, when we actually looked at different sites, we did start to see some clues that some sites were just a little bit better uh, than others uh, versus other sites that just weren't kind of moving the needle as much. And I think that does actually kind of add to the body of literature to kind of really say like, gosh, maybe like, you know, we, we really got to think about these the more challenging parts of how programs are implemented when we're evaluating. And it's not just like, does a program work? It's like, does a program work when it's implemented as intended? It really should always be the question. Actually, another study in our July issue found that a care management program did reduce admissions and expenditures, and they found that the effects were greatest for programs with high fidelity to the intervention. Could you speak a little more about how fidelity in program implementation across sites could have affected your findings? Yeah, you know, I, I remember reading that article, and uh, actually, let me let me highlight just a couple key differences between that article and ours. Uh, so one is um, our evaluation really evaluated a program really in its early years and the early periods of kind of the implementation and rollout, uh, and the evaluation uh, that really panned itself out in that uh, July issue of uh, the journal really was kind of highlighting something that was had a bit more maturation. And uh, what I mean by that, they really had an opportunity uh, both to kind of roll out the processes across all their sites, and they were across multiple states. Uh, and then also they had a, a process in place to actually hold those uh, sites accountable to that. And so if they weren't meeting those metrics, they were really kind of working with the managers to, to be able to, to implement that. The other part was actually how they implemented uh, the program uh, too. And so, you know, the program that we had evaluated was unique in a sense that uh, the teams that were involved in the care management uh, were hired by different people. You know, one component of it uh, was hired by the care, uh, the managed care organization, and the other of it was actually hired by uh, the local kind of clinic itself. And so, you know, you can imagine here, it's like, uh, you know, you it could be a beautiful marriage, you know, between the two, or it could actually be a little disjointed because both were kind of reporting to kind of different needs, uh, and then also being held to a, a kind of different task uh, when it uh, came down to it. And then I'd say the other component to it is that that study in uh, the July issue uh, was really amongst a Medicare population, whereas ours was really looking at a Medicaid population. And so, you know, ours, uh, you know, Medicaid, as, as many of the readers of the journal know, uh, you know, are those that are meeting it based on income criteria. So you imagine there's all these other challenges they're facing in getting there, whereas Medicare is going to be a little bit more of all comers, folks who've aged into it or kind of a, you know, a, certainly a small percentage who uh, had such disability to get there. And so when I say all those things to kind of like get back to your fidelity question, I think it is understanding kind of the environment with which these programs are being implemented and then kind of what are the, the aspects or the interpersonal relationships that may be developing uh, within these kind of rollouts that might impact uh, fidelity. So I think fidelity is key here, right? So I think, you know, there's two things you can walk away with. It was just like, uh, again, you can only evaluate a program or an effort in as much as it adheres to the original design. And then you can say, like, it actually was, like, that program doesn't or doesn't work. And if it does work, like, here, everybody, like, here's all the checkboxes you have to adhere to to make it work and to make it look like our program. The other aspect to it also is that it does kind of highlight what we were talking about earlier, which is that it takes a lot of organizational work to achieve fidelity. And then that can take some run-in period, sometimes a year or two years, to work out those kinks. 
know, some of it is just the people rolling out the program just need to learn how to roll out the program. Uh, but then the other part is actually trying to identify the right people to be participatory in the program to really make it an effective program as a whole. So the answer is yes. Fidelity is probably, probably the, one of the most critical pieces that you have to contextualize uh, any of the reports or any of the findings. So do these findings give you any ideas for future research on community-based care management? Yeah, you know, I think uh, I alluded to this earlier. Uh, you know, I, we really are at a tipping point in my mind. And when we're thinking about what is it that we're going to pay for, uh, both at the federal level, the state level, and at the payer level, and then uh, kind of how these programs implemented. And I think we almost have to require, I think like now we're starting to think like, you know, if you're going to pay for a program, you basically need to think about like what it is you're paying for. And then also you need to make sure that like, there's probably some reporting mechanism to say like, I was able to achieve some sense of fidelity, right? Uh, because it, when you think about it, like that's what the money is used for. You're actually not only paying for outcomes, but you're actually paying for kind of like how well the program uh, gets rolled out. And I think we truly are at a tipping point to really make implementation and implementation science uh, a really key component of anything we're doing uh, when we're trying to kind of roll out these programs that have really broad applicability to, to really help us kind of get down and to really make it a science too, so that we can actually look at actually hard implementation uh, outcomes uh, and then really reporting on those metrics and holding ourselves uh, to those metrics. Uh, the other thing I think has always been uh, talked about, but just to uh, make sure that we always are thinking about it is uh, always looking at the sites that do do truly well, right? And like, what is it about those sites that that make them so successful? You know, both in that July study and our study, we started to see some sites that actually were standouts um, and to really kind of take a deep dive and say like, well, and we call these positive deviants. So like, what are the positive deviants doing versus kind of like all others? And like, what are the kind of things that we could start to unearth uh, that actually would help us make the non-positive deviants better? and to kind of match these uh, positive deviants. So I think that's really where the science is at. And I think really organizationally where I think we should actually start to make sure that when we provide funding uh, for traditionally under resourced areas to help them in the implementation process, because otherwise we're kind of like leaving them handcuffed to try to do something that, that is pretty challenging to do uh, from the get-go. That's the end of my questions. Was there anything else you wanted to add? Uh, thank you so much for the opportunity and really uh, appreciate uh, kind of promoting our work and uh, really look forward to hearing comments from the community about, about what we found. Great. Thank you so much for your time. For more about this issue, visit AJMC.com or see the show notes. To get in touch with us, email info at AJMC.com or follow us on Twitter at AJMC underscore journal. And if you like the podcast, don't forget to subscribe and rate us.